Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm Jess. And I'm Monty, and this is Palin' Around. Palin' Around is a critical podcast focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they interact with the internet. Twice a month, we'll be diving into big topics and asking the hard-hitting questions, like... Why can't Blizzard get its shit together? How does crunch culture tie into the toxic masculinity of the games industry? How has being fandom trash impacted our adult lives? And everything in between. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice and pal around with us. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. I'm Marn. And this is the Argonauts Podcast. Every two weeks I'm going to fail to solve an ARG, and Marn's going to tell me what I should have done instead. That is true, and we are taking a little break from Crystor to talk about Inscription, because we've been talking about doing an Inscription episode for like four months, and people keep asking us when we're going to do it. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I, I love Inscription. It's my game of the year, and frankly, I need a... Because we had to scrap the last episode, um, I need to take a break before I can listen to Crystore Part 2 again, uh, <laughs> just because I need to forget parts of Crystore Part 2 so that I can get back into it instead of it just being like, Marn tells me the same story I heard last week. So uh, we will get back to Crystore Part 2, but for now, we're going to talk about Inscription. Yeah. I'm pumped for I love this game so much. Yeah, and we got a lot of questions this week. Yeah, we sure did. Uh, I think we should start off the top and just say, this game expects you to have played and completed Inscription, right? Uh, the ARG, yeah. The ARG, yeah. So we're going to be talking about this from the vantage point of people that have finished the game Inscription. I would recommend that you all should go do that uh, because Inscription is a great game and it's better if you go into it not knowing much about it. Yeah, uh, this is this is probably going to be like full spoilers for the entire game. Um, so if you haven't played Inscription, I need you to pause this podcast right now. Go on Steam, purchase Inscription. It, wait, it might be on sale right now, actually. <laughs> How do we, is there an Argonauts referral code we can put in for Steam to make money <laughs> off of selling people inscription? Oh yeah, it's 20% off on, on Steam right now. Okay, so pause this episode. If if the uh, if the Lunar New Year sale is still on on Steam, I don't know when that ends. It ends, uh, I, it ends in two days. It will not still be on. Oh, god damn it. Okay, so go <laughs> so pause this. Go buy Inscription full Get price. Get your time machine. Go back in time. Go play Inscription. DM me on Twitter and I'll refund <laughs> you the sale price. Uh, it's it's not it's twenty bucks on Steam. So like it's not. It's not that expensive. It it's a great game. It's like it took me sixteen hours to finish. I think was what I finished at, but I literally played it. I sat down with it like the night of Halloween, and I played it for like ten hours straight. And then I went to sleep, and I woke up and finished the game. <laughs> I I streamed it and did the same thing. I uh, I sat down one day, streamed the first. I think I basically I, I got through the first three acts 
went to bed, got back up and played the epilogue, essentially. Um, so I wish I had known what was happening. Otherwise, I would have done that a little differently. But uh, yeah, this game rules. You all should go buy it and yeah, play it. It's, That's the it's Argonauts really, really guaranteed. good. Um, so now that the spoiler, the spoiler horn has been blown and <laughs> we are ready to get deeply into it. Um, yeah, so uh, I got a first first couple questions come in. I'm going to take first two from Digery, uh, who writes in and says, if you had a soul trapped in a card, what stats, ability, and cute woodland animal would it be? Ooh. I would, okay, my, my instinct was raccoon, but uh, the, the DLC for Inscription has a raccoon card, so I don't know if I'm allowed Ooh. to say that. Okay. Um, I do, I do think a raccoon though. I think, um. I, I think I would want it to be a crab. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would have high defenses, low power. So I'd be like a one, four, maybe, maybe make me like a one, three for free. Cause I don't, I don't need blood. Um, Actually, no, I should probably cost something because I want to give myself an ability. So uh, give me a... Uh... What's the thing where you like you, you, you cut off your tail and run away? I just kind of skitter around the board. That's what I want to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so I, would... I, run, I run three with Skirk. I think I would also be uh, high defense, low power. Hell yeah. Big butts on the Argonauts. <laughs> I don't know what my ability would be, though. I forget what the actual raccoon card ability is, because I haven't gotten that far in Casey's mod. <laughs> I haven't been able to kick it off yet. I need to uh, I need to find the time to do it. I just got caught up with a bunch of other stuff, and so I need to sit down and play endless mode. Yeah, um, I, I need to um, import my save uh, data from my other laptop, because that's the one that I originally installed uh, Casey's mod on. <laughs> I don't want to have to beat the first two challenge levels again. <laughs> gotcha um next question that came in uh what's the most broken card you've been able to make in a run Ooh, i have an answer for this it's from casey's mod though okay. um i made a corpse maggots that also had undying on it so corpse maggots automatically plays itself out of your hand when uh-huh. uh, something you have on the field dies so it would just infinitely farm itself because whenever it died, it would go straight back into my hand and then it would proc that like a card had died. So it would just automatically play itself. Hell yeah. It's <laughs> really good. Oh, that's a good, that is a good card. I, I, I will say I don't, I haven't had a like truly one singularly broken card as much as it's like, you get a you get a, a a mantis with a an extra power and you're set for a lot of the stuff. But like, um, I had a deck one time that was gross. That was, um, basically, I had gotten um, the mantis god into a two power thing with triple strike. I got something else. I think the wolf into a three power thing with double strike, uh, and so. And I had another card. So basically, I'd whittled down my deck to just, like, I can win on turn one every game just with very efficient creatures. Um, 
It doesn't matter which one I draw, I will draw one of them. I've got, you know, three in 12 chance of drawing these cards in the opening hand. And then just, I won most games turn one from like the middle of the second board forward. It was very gross. Yeah, I watched um, the like inscription world record any percent speed run or like the current world record holder today. And uh-huh. like some of the cards that they make in that are truly just like gross. Because <laughs> like, the- I guess I guess the current speed running strategy is like you get the squirrel totem and you make all of your squirrels worth like three blood with the, the blood sigil. And then you just like stock up on incredibly busted like three blood cards hell yeah so you just start dropping haymakers yeah basically because like once you have like all of your squirrels are worth three blood you can like summon a bear in your first turn right yeah you're just going to town here's my great lark here's my great white go ahead do your thing (laughs) yeah exactly hell yeah (laughs) i the other thing that i was able to do once um and it wasn't a single card as much as it was I was able to build a deck around this. Uh, but I had... So if you do enough of the mirror puzzles, I think, if you like lay out the board enough, you're able to get ahead for your totem that is a B. Mm-hmm. And so... Or no, I, I got... I got... No, no, no. What I got was... Sorry. From there, I was able to get the the thing that lets you replace your uh, your deck of squirrels with a deck of bees, um, and that in itself is really powerful because they're flying one ones instead of just o ones. Uh-huh. Um, but then I also got a totem that had the bee head and the ability of whenever this creature dies, add a bee to your hand. Oh my god. And so I just had a bunch of infinite bees. Every turn, I would play four bees down. I would attack over whatever they had in play, and then they would swing back, kill all my bees. My free bees would go back to my hand. <laughs> I'd lay them back down again and go. It was oh, the so most funny. broken thing I've done in a game of Inscription. Um, you can tell that the game the game is like, eventually we want you to move on to Act 2. So we will increasingly give you broken stuff if you want to sit in Act 1. We'll we'll get way out of hand uh, because we need you to win eventually. <laughs> so that was that was the most fun game I've played, was assembling the, the Beezatron. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. Hell yeah. Um... Uh, Big Brother Benji writes in and asks a controversial question. What's your favorite act and why is it act one? It's not, actually. Uh, my favorite act is act two. Interesting. I, a big part of it is the, uh, is the, um, the throwback to the, like, Pokemon trading card game, Game Boy Advance game, uh, which is my favorite video game growing up. Being able to play that kind of trading card game video game again really hit me hard, even if the game game itself wasn't super as good. Um, and the big reveal of it that like this thing that seemed like an overwhelming presence in act one of the game was barely even a guy. He's just one of four. It, it, the, the way that the game like pulled back the curtain and reveals that like, You think you've been playing Magic the Gathering the whole time, but you've only been playing with green cards. 
now here's the rest of the game as it exists metaphorically was such a cool thing to me that it was like oh shit now there's robots now there's zombies now there's uh wizards and everything's coming together with all of these mechanics it's all a little jumbled and 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 janky but i love it uh and and act two by far is my favorite act in the game yeah i need to replay act two because i played a lot of it while i was like tired and frustrated at five o'clock in the morning and i feel like that shaped my feelings on it a lot that's fair (laughs) um i my favorite act is act one though i think yeah it's a good act you can't go wrong it's good it is good uh we got a question here from the writing ace who says what's your least favorite card game martin do you have one Ooh, um, like just with a standard deck or any kind of trading card game? They say least favorite card game. I'll leave it to you. Interesting. I've not. So the thing is, I've not played a lot of uh, of trading card games in my time. I have played mm-hmm. like Yu-Gi-Oh! and the Digimon card game and the Neopets card game and I made up my own in middle school that I drew all of the cards for. And yeah. a friend of mine in middle school tried to teach me magic once. And I don't remember any of it. And those are all of the trading card <laughs> games I've ever played. <laughs> um, I guess like tra- traditional card games, I don't know. There are some traditional card games I just like don't understand how to play like poker. I don't understand mm-hmm. a single thing about how to play poker. I, people have tried <laughs> to teach me probably like four or five times throughout my life, and I just did not retain it. <laughs> I'm I'm hard on a uh, uh, fuck euchre stance. You can miss me with euchre. Uh, <laughs> just Why? growing up in the mid- I just don't like it. I don't think it's fun, and I've never enjoyed the game. I've never played it. My family was not like a big card playing family. We played Uno and like that was about it. <laughs> we Oh my god. Did you hear Uno is adding a bunch of new like draw two cards? I saw that they had they're adding they're making a new game that's like Uno but all of the cards are wild cards. Yeah. I it feels like it really breaks the fundamental game design of Uno because you're kind of stripping it down to a one-pointed game instead of three. But I'm curious where that goes. <gasps> Wait, I know, I know what my least favorite card game is. Sorry. Oh, hit it's, me, hit me. Uh, the people who made Uno made another game, and I can't fucking remember what it's called. Oh, Phase <laughs> Ten. That's what it's called. I my friend group tried to play this once. Uh, and I didn't understand it at all, and it is so hateful to me. Uh, is, it's, is that where you're trying to like line your cards from 0 to 100 in order or something like that? No. So phase 10 is like... It has like a special deck like Uno, so it has like wild and skip cards, but you're basically trying to complete phases that are like you have a certain combination of cards in your hand so like oh for the what sorry sorry (laughs) sam's grandmother is an absolute sicko at this game (laughs) that's why i know phase 10 
they, they, my, Sam's grandmother breaks this out at family holidays just so that she can dunk on the cousins. Like That's so funny. <laughs> Sam's grandmother does not hold back while playing cards. She will decimate people at FaceTime. Oh, my God. That's like my parents in Scrabble. My parents are like intensely competitive Scrabble players. They uh-huh. don't go easy on people. She's the same way about Scrabble. She's the person who like would play eight-year-old Sam at Scrabble and lay down like Z turn one, you know, XI or whatever. Oh my God. Just like go. And Sam's just like, I'm eight. I barely know these any words. Yeah, FaceTime is like the worst, most frustrating card game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> oh. I know that this is this is probably a very uh magic player answer to this, but probably Yu-Gi-Oh. I I've tried. I I cannot get into that game. I hate the way that the cards are written. I hate the general game feel of how turns play out and how the game itself plays out. I hate that I can't read any of the cards without a magnifying glass. <laughs> and I hate that cards are either like vanilla creatures or the most complex, complicated mechanic known to man with no in between. Uh, do not like uh, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually played Yu-Gi-Oh since probably middle school, but I really like reading about Yu-Gi-Oh uh drama on the hobby drama subreddit <laughs> <sighs> no, there's a that. really <laughs> there's oh, go a really good uh hobby drama post about how um why they had to ban exodia from <laughs> from the meta back in like 1999 or whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's uh, try to find that and put it in the show notes. I'm excited yeah, for that. Yeah, I'll find it. It's also about the uh, the Tokyo Dome Yu-Gi-Oh! Riot. I don't know what that is. I'm very Holy excited. Holy shit! Hell it yeah, ma- I'll check this out. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it, was, it was basically, uh, they had like a Yu-Gi-Oh! event at the Tokyo Dome where they were giving out uh, Exodias, I think. I think that's what they were giving out. Okay. And more people showed up than they had capacity for essentially (laughs) um and yeah 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 they were giving out exodias and like several thousand more people showed up than they had capacity for at the tokyo dome jesus um and there was a riot (laughs) hell yeah i'm very excited to read about this if you uh if you find hell yeah you just sent that to me i will (laughs) i will definitely put that in the show notes um, I got a question here that's just for me. So if you want to go grab a drink, feel free. Uh, <laughs> what's my favorite card or set in Magic: The Gathering? Uh, favorite set? I have a soft spot for Ravnica. Uh, Return to Ravnica is where I got into the game. Um, and so Return to Ravnica, those sets probably those those sets probably are my favorite ones. Otherwise, weirdly enough, it's Eldritch Moon. I really like the emerge mechanic, and I think that uh, Elder Deep Fiend is a very cool Magic card, and just the stuff around it is very neat. Um. Outside of that, uh, my favorite card is probably Mercurial Chemister. It's an Izzet card from Ravnica. It's a five drop, two, three that taps uh, blue and tap it to draw two cards, I think. And then you can uh, tap a number of mana to discard a card and deal damage to something. It's a cool card. I like it a lot. The guy's on the front looking at a spell going like, what the fuck is this? Uh, It's just great art. Um, 
and my favorite uh, commander I've ever put together. Uh, I did have a Baral Chief of Compliance uh, commander deck. I am aware that that makes me a degenerate, and I don't care. That deck was a lot of fun, and I loved it. Um, I will not take any more questions at this time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was Andrew's MTG Corner. Uh, <laughs> uh and last but not least, uh, you know, I got a question here from Colton, uh, who says, how do you think someone who tends to bounce off roguelike games should approach inscription? This one is goes out to those of you that didn't listen to our warning earlier and decided I still want to hear them listen to it, even though I've never played the game myself. Um, my approach to inscription is that the game is a narrative. The game is a linear narrative game disguised as a deck builder. And understanding that fact and knowing that you will grow into a good enough deck to move forward into the future will help you a lot. Yeah. I think. I, that, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I have only played probably three roguelikes in my life that I've enjoyed. And like, I count inscription among them, even though it's not technically really a roguelike. But yeah, like knowing that it wanted me to progress and that there was like going to be a linear ending helped. <laughs> yeah. The, the game, most roguelikes are built around making each run, tr like taking each run and trying to reach the end. Inscription's not really doing that. In the beginning, it's trying to teach you a couple things and then it wants you to progress the plot by beating the roguelike. And it puts a lot of things in your place and kind of rolls out a red carpet for you to do that in a way that feels really good. Sometimes games do that in a way that you're just like, oh, this game's really handing me like the the training wheels to put on the back of my bike so that I go the right direction. This one does the opposite approach where it says like, here's a bazooka, go have some fun. And then when that wall's gone, we'll be able to continue the game. Um, that would be my advice for starting inscription. Yeah. I mean, so like Daniel Mullins does that kind of thing in his, uh, in his games a lot where he will like, change the genre immediately kind of like as you're getting fatigued of it and like the game will go and then like become something different but it's all kind of in service of getting you to a linear ending okay so yeah i don't know i like i like the roguelike parts of inscription if you like it over much like there is dlc that is just basically like a classic roguelike built in the inscription game engine <laughs> <laughs> like there he basically it's in beta but uh daniel mullins is working on an endless act one mode that is essentially like classic roguelike structure with challenges and stuff um so i don't know if you're here for the roguelike stuff just you can do that but like once you get past <laughs> act one it kind of ceases to be a roguelike so much uh-huh yeah, I know, hundred percent. So yeah, that it, it sounds kind of cheeky to be like the thing you need to know going in is that it's not a roguelike. You just have to win a roguelike first. But yeah, yeah that's where we are. All right, uh, now that we have gotten through some questions, uh, Marn, what do you say that we get turned into cards and shrunk down to uh, play a little bit of inscription? Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. Um, 
So I just played a really cool video game. It was called Inscription. <laughs> it had a very cool ending and a bunch of stuff that happened in the middle that I'm a little confused about, but like in a way that's still narratively satisfying. Um, what happens next? Yeah. So the interesting thing about the Inscription ARG is that there are actually like most of what you need for it is in the game. And there's stuff in the game that points directly at the ARG. So, yeah. like, if, you, if you're playing it, sometimes it will just, like, throw weird shit at you. Uh, and, and then just, like, not explain it at all. <laughs> yeah, there are... I know that in playing it, there are a couple things that kind of stood out as being... Um, weird and arg-ish in a way that like when people told me I should play Inscription they were like you have an ARG podcast you should play Inscription um, so I kind of knew going in that there was an arg involved and that things were being set up for ARG elements and so there were a couple things that like a weird thing happened and I thought oh okay this must be something for the ARG but also it didn't feel like uh, none of it. I, I will say none of it to me felt like you ever, you ever have a moment at the end of a Marvel movie where there's a post credit scene and you're just like, I have no idea what any of this meant, but I guess it's pointing to a different movie. So I don't care about it. Yes. I, I, I never had that moment playing this where I was like, I guess that was an arg thing. Even the ARG stuff tended to be, like, either a very hit... There's, I know that there's a very hidden uh, secret boss that has an ARG stuff in the ending of the fight. But that there's a couple other little things that, like, never felt like they were super out of place. Or that they didn't belong in the game. Or that they was like, well, they only included this in the game to do an ARG out of it. It all felt very, like, cohesive, which I liked a lot. Yeah, and, like, so hold on i'm looking this up to see if there's a a good like explainer for it so um something that uh i guess to lead into this daniel mullins uh last game that came out before this the hex um also had an arg in it but it was kind of like he put like a, a little cheeky thing in it that like people solved and then they were like oh there's definitely gonna be more to this and he was like uh oh i didn't put more to this in and people think that there's like a whole arg here so he added <laughs> like retroactively a bunch of steps um and there's like some things that you can do to like get kind of like secret game content um that like adds a little bit to the story of the game like it's not like necessary to completely understanding a game it's just kind of a fun little thing so Inscription, I think, is kind of like him building on that sort of design philosophy that like, oh, there's like a couple of cheeky things that like you can decode or like check out if you want to. And they build on the story of the game, but like they're absolutely not necessary to like understanding and appreciating the game as is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I felt like leaving Inscription, I didn't feel like... Um... I, I didn't feel like there was anything that I didn't get out of the experience by, by not playing the, the ARG. I, I will say, I should probably say up front in the episode itself, I think I told you before, um, 
I haven't interacted with any of the ARG stuff beyond little bits and pieces I've picked up from just like, oh, I bet this is an ARG thing. Um, but I haven't really interacted with the ARG elements of it beyond just like playing the game. So um, in that context, I don't feel like I like missed anything. It doesn't feel like, I feel like they did a really good job of building a game that feels complete. And then there's an ARG that's around it, but is not like required information. And it's not, this isn't the like, this isn't Palpatine's re- return to the Star Wars universe being announced <laughs> in Fortnite, where you, you watch the new Star Wars movie and you go, why, how should, since when is Palpatine back? And someone else turns to you and says, didn't you hear about the Fortnite thing? Um, it doesn't feel like that, where it's like nothing, nothing doesn't make sense because you didn't play the ARG. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, and I I explicitly was told not to look into the ARG until I finished the game, so I didn't, (laughs) Um, which was, you know, good. Uh, Also, you could still play the ARG, because, like, 99% of it is in the game. Like, you literally just have to either go into the physical, actual game and find things that are hidden in there, or go into like the files of the game and find things in there. I watched a video. We should put it in the show notes. I'll link it to you. There's a video on YouTube of a guy who went and played through like the entire ARG without using the guide just to by himself to see if he could do it. <laughs> and he discovered that one of the solutions that the community had come up with was actually wrong. And there uh-huh. was, like, a- an intended solution that nobody had found. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, I think because Daniel Mullins, like, commented on his video or something. It was like, yeah, that, like, people just, like, made up that solution. So, like, this guy <laughs> went back into the game and was like, well, if that's not the solution, I'm just going to, like, find the real one. Like, I want to know what's up. And actually found the real solution. <laughs> hell Yeah. Which is very funny. <laughs> so, if you want to go and play this yourself, turn off this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, now that you've finished playing Inscription, uh, this is a we're just going to edge you with this episode of Argonauts. So, go uh, play the show now, and then come back later when you're done. Yeah, there is on um, I think either the Reddit or the Inscription Wiki. Um, some people have put together a hint guide for the ARG for if you're doing it yourself and you're stuck, but you don't want to know the answer. It's very cool. You should, um, we will link to it in the show notes. I have a link for that one. <laughs> That's very cool. So often, it is very cool. So often ARG, uh, coverage is just like this happened and the solution is this. And I'm definitely not saying that we're <laughs> not involved in that. Uh, so it's so cool to have like, a living spoiler-free walkthrough document for an ARG. That's really cool. Yeah, it's very cool and I'm I'm glad that they did that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um I think they they have a a spoiler-free walkthrough of the game also. But yeah, okay. so I got to I I'll dig it up, but there is a like a a spoiler th- a spoiler-free walkthrough of the ARG that has like I think it's like three hints for every puzzle and then you can get it to show you the solution if you get like super stuck. 
Okay. It's very cool the way they've set it up. Anyway, let's talk about the ARG. Let's spoil it for everybody. <laughs> Hell yeah. Marn, what happens in Inscription? So, part of Inscription that we are going to spoil is that there is a real guy in it. <laughs> yes. Uh, is the ARG about Luke Carter, the Lucky Carter? A little bit. Hell yes, my favorite character. <laughs> um, and so... In between all of the acts of inscription, you get these videos of Luke Carter, who is a trading card YouTuber, uh, who has discovered the floppy disk that has inscription on it. Um, and in some of the videos, there's like weird distortions and errors and stuff, and like it's impossible to like kind of see what's going on. And uh-huh. in one of them, you can. You, there's a shot of a piece of paper that has a code on it and it says my college is 12 perhaps question question blood dollar sign letterbox all written in like elite speak um, and that okay. was the trailhead of the ARG basically uh, the community had to figure out the three components of this code uh, my college is 12 perhaps question mark question mark and blood dollar sign letterbox and input it somewhere to mm-hmm. get something <laughs> okay uh they didn't know where yet i believe gotcha um so Oh, but they but they did know that uh, the cipher was the same cipher used in uh, in the hex, so they knew that it was a three part cipher with uh, the parts uh, denoted by um, straight lines in between each part, um, and they, so they knew that there were three separate answers, and once they solved ev- every single one of those, it would give them the full like answer cipher. Neat. Okay. Yeah, so for for Mycologist 12, um, they knew that there are characters in the game called the Mycologists, and they are a secret boss in part three. Um, You can actually fight them in part three if you, like, go to a secret area of the map. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) The the Mycologists? Yeah, I... I didn't fight them myself, but I did watch a stream where they somehow stumbled upon it. And I was just like, Jesus, how did you, I don't know how you find them without a, without a guide, but they did. They, <laughs> I watched a stream that was like the world's most, most methodical playthrough of inscription in the world. Uh, that was really good. But yeah, uh, I did know that you can fight them and they like merge stuff together. And that was the thing I was talking about before, where it was like the one thing that, something weird happens that I was like, I don't have any context for this and the game doesn't follow up for it. So I guess that's for the, uh, the ARG. And it sounds like I was right. It is. Um, so before we get into the mycologist, people were able to find where to put this cipher in uh, by fucking around in the code of the game. Okay. Because... Um, they were like, well, we clearly need to enter this cipher, like, somewhere in the game. Like, we don't have anywhere else to enter it in. Right. Um, and they realized that when you start... 
this is going to sound insane to people who don't who haven't played inscription again (laughs) you have to pause this podcast to play inscription when you start a new game by which i mean when you start act two (laughs) okay so when you after after beating act one and getting the game's new game button, which is yes. the thing that happens in this game. Uh, you go back and you click new game. Yeah. And when then you s- the like floppy disk reading text goes up and then old school inscription starts up for act two. Uh-huh. So people uh, who know programming basically figured out that while the floppy disk is like, quote unquote, loading on your screen... You can interrupt that oh. loading and open the command console inside the game. Um, so oh, that's if you pre- so cool. I know. So I haven't, I haven't tested this out yet, but if you press control C while it's loading, it will open up a command console for the floppy drive. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Um, and from there, uh, people were able to, it lets you input commands. Like there's like a help command. Um, and you can look up like the directories of the floppy disk, and there's an encrypted uh, file called olddatalog.txt. Oh, okay. So, if you like, if you've played Inscription, you know that the old data is something that is inside the Inscription floppy disk that Inscription was like programmed on top of. Right. Um, and you could send a command that was decode log txt but you needed a decryption key and so people were like okay we need to like we need to decode all of these clues and it will give us the decryption key okay so starting with mycologist 12 in act 3 there's a secret boss fight for the mycologists but if you visit the mycologist in part two of the game, where you can also find them, yes, uh, and you give the mycologist two sets of two different cards, he gives you a key that unlocks his boss room in part three. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and if you beat him in part three, he shows you a card whose name is a string of numbers. Right. And people figured out that mycologist 12 means that they needed the first 12 digits of that number for the first part of the cipher. So the first part of their cipher was solved to be 918-234-489-010. Okay. Writing this down. Let me boot up the game real quick. Uh... Clue two was perhaps question mark, question mark. Um, there was an Easter egg in the hex that kind of kicked off the, the string of puzzles that Daniel Mullen did was um, he put the text like a beeper perhaps in. Now, sorry, when you said there was a thing in the hex, you mean Daniel Mullins's old game, the hex. Yes. In the, not, yes not some hexadecimal sorry. code in the ARG. <laughs> I just wanted yes, to. I knew what you meant. I just wanted to make sure that uh, the audience knew it was up. Yeah. Um. And so he um he put like hidden text in uh in the hex for like people who were combing the metadata or whatever that was just like on an an object in the game that said like a beeper perhaps question mark question mark. Um. And so people okay. were like, okay, so we need to we need to like be looking for like 
beeper or whatever inside the game. And they found that in the credits of Inscription, there is a name credited for a 3D model of a beeper. Um, the oh. provide And the name credited is Louis Natas, who it, which is like the assumed name of Satan in Daniel Mullins' other games. Okay. Um, and also, there was a provided link to the 3D model, which did not exist. Cool. That's very clever. Because there's a lot of... I know there are a lot of assets credited in the in the credits of this game, because it was... Yeah. Okay, so just hidden in there. That's neat. Daniel Mullins tricking everyone into watching the credits of his game. <laughs> Got him. Um, and so they took the numbers from the end of that url and they put that as the next part of the cipher text which is 8339344 um and then they left in the question marks and then clue 3 was blood dollar sign letterbox uh <laughs> in part okay. 2 there are two cards that are two halves of an oval and if you right. play them they merge into one oval and then you can go to the Bone Lord uh-huh. and offer him a sacrifice. And he will give you a key to visit him in part three. Right. If you so visit this, him in... This, this is, that's a ridiculous sentence to say out loud. And I'm just like, yes, yeah, I know the correct. Bone Lord. I've been there. Correct. Yeah, yeah, the Bone yeah, Lord. The We've bone all Lord, seen yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you visit the Bone Lord, but you have your resolution in letterbox format... Because the clue was blood dollar side letterbox, you can uh-huh. see a code on the screen. Okay. But only if your screen is in letterbox, Harat. Uh, and the code is bone, uh, bone exclamation point dollar sign lord do, uh, exclamation exclamation dollar sign six 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 in leet speak. <laughs> huh. And so from there. Uh, they had just a big string of numbers and dollar signs and exclamation points and question marks. Uh, and they put that into the decode and they got part of a decoded conversation log. Um, okay. They... And the conversation says, the parts of it that are decoded say, yeah, it did. Poor old Barry Wilkinson, a.k.a. Big Ear, was imprisoned literally hours after these words were written to the corrupted disc. He did eventually get back to to the States, but I have not had any luck contacting him. The... There are actually a shit ton of Barry Wilkinsons, and it might not even be his real name. Eureka, that explains so much, actually. I couldn't figure out why this disc would be tossed into a crate with a bunch of blank ones. Barry's plan to smuggle it out this way seems contrived at best, but I can't imagine the pressure he was under over there. Indeed, Barry, indeed. Fuck you too, Mr. Kaminsky. They never told us that. Yeah, he's equally angry in person. Um, And there was some corrupted text in there that... uh, was always like in the middle of words and they were able to extract it and get another set of three ciphers, um, which was um, S E colon one, six, seven BP colon true. And then 23 K two F exclamation point zero, zero R 
And then uh, archive new game question mark. Okay. Um, so their first clue for the next sequence, um, because they're they knew that there was probably more that they had to decode. So they were like, all right, we got to go through another sequence of these and then we'll get another decode key and then we'll have to put it in again. Um, So the first clue was SE-167 BP true. And they realized that SE-167 referred to special event 167. Uh, And from here we get into messing around in the actual code of the game. (laughs) Damn. Okay. So, Special Event 167 is a special flag in the game uh, that you have to set to true. Um, Okay. So, you have to go into your actual save file and put 167 under the completed events, um, like, category. And then you have to set Bone Lord Puzzle Active to true. I'm looking at my save file right now, and I'm like, "Damn, how do I do this? How do I open this?" <laughs> I think you could. I I'm pretty sure you could just open it in Notepad. Just in Notepad, edit with Notepad plus yeah. plus. Okay, I've got my uh, save game open. What did you say? Story event? What? Okay, so uh, if you Control F like completed events, there should be a category for that under Story Events. Okay, I see completed events. Okay, so you want one of those to be 167. So I just and then add you wanna, 167 to that list? Yeah, and then you want to set Bone Lord Puzzle Active to true. Okay. I'm going to chicken out. I'm not going to do this with my actual save file, but that's very sweet. <laughs> um, and then if you go through into uh, the cabin... Uh, you can click on the Bone Lord's skull in the cabin, and his eyes glow red, and he shows a message. And then cool. your game crashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> there is a note in here that says, <laughs> no, it's normal that the game will crash after this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and the and the part of the cipher they got from that was I am learned too much with the number two. Um, and so for the next clue, clue six was two k two three k two floor, but in leet speak. Okay. Uh, and they were able to find two three k two in one of Luke's video entries um, as a sticky note on his computer. Um, and. In that shot of Luke, he is on the Wikipedia page for Carnoffle. And if you have played Inscription, you know that something called the Carnoffle Code is referenced a lot in that game. Yes, there's the Carnoffle Code, which is not the old data, but it is a thing that is referenced. I am blinking off the top of my head of what it is, but yeah, that is a thing that gets referenced. Yeah, um, I don't think they explain what it is in the game okay i might be wrong um but um so luke is seen on the wikipedia page for carnoffel um his sticky notes on the computer say uh it, it's a carnoffel pig which is two 
uh, three king and pig, and people realized that they had to figure out which cards in Act One mapped to those cards and okay. play them in uh, Act One. Like you needed um, to have a deck with only those, or you needed to like you needed to have to all play four them of on those. the board. Yeah, all four of them on the board. That's really um, cool because that's like that's already a mechanic in the game. And to do that like one step further and say, hey, now do it here in this secret way that we never even pointed to in game is so cool. It's very cool. And it's also like you need really, really specific cards. So I doubt anyone would have played this exact formation by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. What What cards are they? Uh, it's the Douse, Mantis God, Rat King, and another Douse. Because Douse is... Uh, they figured out that two was the douse because uh, of the like two chimes that you get with the douse. Okay. Uh, Mantis God is three because it's the only trifurcated card. Sure, and then yeah. Rat King for king. And if you put them all uh, on your side of the board at once, their names change to spell oh. out the word stop. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> I sincerely wonder if anyone got that by accident and just got freaked the hell out <laughs> and so what's the order it was uh uh douse mantis god rat king second douse and douse is like a legendary card so you yeah, have to get like really good rng to have two of them <laughs> yeah douse and mantis god are but are all that's three rares yep and then yeah and that's a state that like I doubt you'd accidentally do in game because the douse is a card that comes down and puts down two things next to it. So putting uh -huh. them on the outside is like a bad play. You want them in the yeah. middle. That's really, that's really cool. That's really smart. It's very cool. Um, <laughs> and so they realize, so the first half of this code is stop and then they need to use floor. Um, and this is the one that the people solving the ARG solved wrong, but still got correctly. Okay. <laughs> uh, they realized that uh, in that same video entry with Luke, uh, there is another sticky note that said mirror and then mirror backwards. And they were like, oh, so we need to mirror floor into roof. <laughs> ignoring the extra l that's in there that's an exclamation point well you have to go onto the roof <laughs> roof you say yeah. i'm reading from this arg document the most prominent roof in the game is leshy's cabin in part two which looks like this the 273 written on the ground next to the cabin combined with four missing planks on the left and one on the right to make 27341. Combine that with stop from the earlier clue and the answer is stop 27341. <laughs> and this worked? And this worked. How did the... So this is the thing that people got wrong. Yeah. How did... I don't think I've ever told the story on this podcast, uh, but I once did so poorly on a math test that 
the professor thought that I was cheating off of the other form of the math test. Oh my God. And so I had like went to speak with him after class because he gave me like a zero on the test. And I was like, I know I did bad, but I didn't do zero bad. And I said, what's up? He said, I could tell you're cheating. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. We hashed out what I did. And he was like, that's not how you do this at all. And I was like, look, I don't know what to tell you. That's what I did though. And he eventually, like, he graded the test again and was like, okay, you get, like, a 70%. And I was like, I will take it. That's a passing grade. Um, but, like, how did these players solve a puzzle so wrong that it ended up becoming correct? I wish to God that I knew. I mean, I guess part of it is that Daniel Mullins uses the numbers 273 in his games a lot. Like, I think they're in every single game he's ever done. Okay. Um, including just the base game of inscription because they're the yeah. the combo for the safe. Um, right. And so, like, that's a pretty fair guess. But the fact that they got four one right is insane. Just yeah. by like counting random roof tiles. Yes, I'm. So, so what was supposed to happen? Okay, so the guy who published a video of like solving the ARG by himself I guess he got like a comment or an email from Daniel Mullins or whatever who was like hey like by the way the the like solution that people use for the floor puzzle wasn't my intended solution and no one has found the intended solution yet so this guy was like oh I'm gonna go find it yeah uh and he (laughs) and he found that throughout the game there are tiny numbers (laughs) <laughs> hidden in the floor textures. Uh, is there a time code I should stip- skip to? Um, no, this is just so we can put it in the show notes. Okay. But um, yeah, so in, in Leshy's cabin, like if you go into like the assets for the game and you pull up like the 3D texture of the cabin floor you can find the number two hidden in like a nail on the floor incredible um incredible shit it's fucking wild um and then the the second one is like in the the mycologist's hut in part um or it's somewhere in part two oh no it's a it's in the um like the factory in part two it's like hidden in the in one of like the the floor tiles and then the third is like hidden in a floor tile in act three um (laughs) and it it just goes on like that (laughs) incredible i think there's two of them hidden in literally like the finale of the game which is insane (laughs) (laughs) There's, like, one hidden in, like, the floor of Grimora's area and, like, one hidden in the floor of Magnificus's area where you use the dual disc. Hell yeah. And these are places you don't even see in the game. Uh-huh. You literally have to, like, open, like, the assets of the game and, like, pull up the textures and zoom in, like, 500% to find them. It's Incredible. crazy. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Mullins just like went into a bunch of random like tiled floor textures and like put a tiny number in each of them. <laughs> I can't believe that people got Rulf and decided that that was the solution to this project instead <laughs> and it somehow worked. It's so fucking funny. 
But they didn't just look at the floor textures. (laughs) They were like, oh, there is a a backwards word in this other thing that we used to solve the code. So clearly we have to read it backwards. And it it clearly refers to this one specific roof in the game. God. And they still solved it correctly. (laughs) Oh, my God. So yeah, so so that's both of the ways that it was solved. <laughs> um <sighs> and the last clue that they got was uh archives dollars uh archive dollar sign new hashtag game question mark. Um and they realized that in the archivist boss uh in Act Three, there's Morse code in uh the archivist boss music. Uh, that spells out big ear and then in the workshop in act three there is you can see like the new game card hidden behind some other stuff in the workshop and it's flashing also in morse code uh which translates to no chance so their final uh, decode for this to decode the the next log was I am learned too much stop two seven three four one big ear no chance okay well luckily that's the code that we got from the floral so no okay so where do we go from here uh so they ran uh the log again they decoded it using the first cipher and then the second cipher okay and they got a bunch of stuff in polish (laughs) okay and they also got a new uh cipher to decode that they were like well hopefully this decodes the polish (laughs) (laughs) uh and their first clue for this one was back to beginning um and people realized that this was a reference to the actual beginning of Inscription as a game, which was that it was made for uh, the Lidum Dare game jam. And it was originally called Sacrifices Must Be Made. Yeah, and pe- okay. Yeah, and people realized that um, a couple weeks before Inscription released, uh, the Itch.io page for Sacrifices Must Be Made had updated. Um, okay. And you could download it, and if you created a new text file in the game folder called cipher.cipher, um, which is also Daniel Mullins hides stuff in his game uh, files under like the, the file cipher.cipher a lot, so people knew to do that. Um, I think he did that in the hex and maybe also Pony Island. Um, okay. So if you made a file, a, a text file in the game folder called cipher.cipher and it had the contents of uh, the I am learned too much solve, um, when you beat the game, the original inscription demo or the original like inscription game, uh-huh. it gave you the code um, WHTL exclamation mark. Oh, um, WHT 
what lies ahead, sorry, in, in Leet Speak. It's in Leet Speak, so I was like, what the fuck is this word? <laughs> uh, it's what lies ahead in Leet Speak. Okay. Uh, the second clue they got was manatee, hashtag, hashtag. Um, and this one is insane uh, because <laughs> this one required people to realize, uh, to go through Luke's videos and realize that he at one point like reviews a fictional card game called aqua romans which was a real custom card set that daniel mullins has actually made what for for a different game (laughs) four years ago oh my god (laughs) so yeah so so a lot of the so a lot of the cards that Luke reviews in in his like early videos are references to other stuff Daniel Mullins has done. Like there's one that is a reference to one of the games in the hex. Um, there's one that's like a reference to like a a Pokemon esque like Kickstarter that Daniel Mullins tried to do once that failed. Okay. Um, and Aqua Romans was a reference to uh, Daniel Mullins made a custom faction called the Aqua Romans for a card game called Smash Up. Um, And people found that he made a post about it four years ago. That's (laughs) so funny. Yeah, that had art that had an imager link to uh, all of the cards. So he... Was like, I need something to be, to point to a cipher. What if I did it to, like, an old post for a failed game I never got to make? Yeah, basically. It was like a fan deck that he made for someone else's game. This is king shit. (laughs) Daniel Mullins absolutely rules. Daniel Mullins is great. He has a, he has, it's like a really short, uh, like, talk about the uh the like easter eggs that he put in the hex that's really good um he's very cool i love his game design oh yeah (laughs) um so yeah so people opened this imager album from 2017 and they were like oh daniel mullins made this card called manatee antony uh and so they just replaced manatee with antony in the cipher (laughs) Okay. And they added an extra hashtag to make up for the missing letter. Hell yeah. <laughs> and this art guide describes it as pretty easy, but for some reason it seemed to take a while. <laughs> uh, their next clue was another card game related clue. Uh, it was Birchkin dollar sign dollar sign 56-57M. Okay. And Birchkin is another card that uh, Luke mentions in one of his videos. Uh, and that was from Catch Monsters, which was uh, Daniel Mullins' Pokemon-like game that he tried to kickstart, but it uh, did not meet its goal and it did get released. Okay. Uh, but it had a pre-alpha demo that you could download on its kickstarter page this rules 
seven years later, people went and downloaded it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Y'all didn't play my game before, but maybe you will now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And they found that Birchkin was the only monster in the game that had the ability pacifism. And so that was the answer to the first part of their cipher. Uh, 5657M, they realized, was a reference to another Daniel Mullins game that had been a part of, like, the bonus stuff for the Hex, uh, which is a game called Beneath the Surface, uh, which is not released under Daniel Mullins's name. It was released under, like, the in-universe account of one of the game developers from the Hex, um, and that was, like, how people found it, basically. Um, And it's called Beneath the Surface, and it is a fishing game. Okay. And as part of, like, the Hex ARG, like, you can fish up stuff that is relevant to that, like, bonus stuff. But people realized that it had been updated, and if you played it for a little bit, and you eventually were able to fish between 56 and 57 meters... Um, and you had copied the cipher.cipher file uh, that you had already made over into the beneath the surface save file folder, you would okay. get a item called strange disk. God, the... Like, real talk, did he put this in before? Or did he, like, go to his old Kickstarter page and just, like re-upload a new file of the demo it had to have been the second one right this couldn't have been like planned this far in advance i so i think for the catch monsters one he almost definitely just like used what he knew was already in the game Uh uh-huh um but for the like original inscription like game jam demo and beneath the surface he definitely just like updated them <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's still uh, super cool because people saw on itch.io that he had like updated um sacrifices must be made and gotcha. beneath the surface is just like on steam so he he definitely updated it okay. i think people even noticed that he'd updated it um <laughs> gotcha but yeah, so you were able if you if you fish between 56 and 57 meters and you had like the cipher dot cipher uh file in your um in your files with the uh beneath the surface exe uh there was a random chance that you would fish up a strange disc which is exactly what you think it is it's the floppy disk of inscription (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah uh and you got a message that said who knows what secrets are inscribed upon it uh, but some of the letters had turned into numbers and symbols. Um, and if you took those numbers and symbols out, you got 0044 exclamation point three. And people were able to put that in as the second half of their solution. So altogether, the answers that they had gotten were what lies ahead, Antony, pacifism, 0044 exclamation point three. And if they decoded using all three ciphers in sequence they got a message that said 
This is it. The transcribed journal page reveals the very location of Hitler's rotting corpse. And more importantly, what? the precisely... <laughs> oh, yes, Andrew. <laughs> the precisely ordered deck of cards in his jacket pocket. The card awful code. I, cra- I cracked the encryption last night. My situation here in the USSR is delicate, but I believe this intelligence warrants an action that may blow my cover. I am now prepared to smuggle the disc out of Moscow to West Berlin. So you're... T- so you're telling me the the old data on the inscription disc is a decrypted code based off of a deck of cards on Hitler's decaying corpse? Yes. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am now prepared to smuggle the disc out of Moscow to West Berlin, then on to Boston. This disc is carefully concealed among many blank ones. I believe this plan will work, and if it does not, better to lose this old data than allow the Soviets an opportunity to use it. How fitting. And there is also a message in the middle of this uh, that says, data corrupted for any quality concerns, please contact Kaminsky Data. And it has a link oh. to uh, Kaminsky Data Storage. Kaminsky's a card you can get in the game, too. One of the he sure former is. dead cards. Yep. Okay. Um, and so you I'm, could. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really disappointed that this is what the old data is. <laughs> I, 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 man, I wish I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like this a lot more when the old data was just old shit on this disc that because we are in a video game, we can't interact with. So before I like read into the the Argolot, I saw a really funny meme that was like the Domino's meme. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like <laughs> funny roguelike card game as like the first Domino, and the last one is the exact location of Hitler's corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> and I, I saw that like I think even before I had finished the game, and I was like, "Oh boy, I can't wait to find out what this is about." <laughs> oh, Grimora's just like Lashy's not even the meanest person we know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to a very special zombie of mine. God. He's a 2-2 with death touch. Oh boy. Let's talk about Kaminsky data storage. Alright, so Yeah, Kaminsky data storage. So clearly this plan went great with this uh this disc. Yeah, so they they uh from from that little message they got the link to uh kaminskymfg.com slash order form um which doesn't exist anymore uh but when it was up it had a page that said get replacement for order uh what's wrong with your product seriously what's wrong with it promotional code seriously you have promotional code 
address, so I mail you new one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a bunch of people filled it out. A lot of people put in just like random stuff. Uh, Some people put in their real addresses. Some people put in their real email addresses and like a fake address. Um, Until basically the order form went down uh, and said, orders is full. Seriously, what is wrong with you? Please await packages and mail if ordered. (laughs) Okay. Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, people had noticed that there were actual real GPS coordinates in the game. Oh. Um, Luke is given... uh, So the way that Luke finds the floppy disk that Inscription is on is that he finds a pack of Inscription cards and one of them has GPS coordinates on it. And he goes to those GPS coordinates and he finds inscription like buried in the woods basically okay um two users on the reddit um went to those coordinates and they also met up with uh daniel mullins and kevin saxby the actor who plays luke carter uh in real life um and they streamed it on twitch uh and they, uh, actually, have you seen this? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, I will send you the clip. It's like a 30 second clip of just like how their stream ended. Okay. So they go into the woods and find a new. F- Jesus! So, okay, so this, okay, so this is a clip of a Discord server watching this call where they find an extra disc in the woods and the person that they're with is like, you can't have that. Uh, You can't have that. And they're like, whatever. And then that dude just attacks them and then breaks the camera. Yeah, that's that's Daniel Mullins. Um, I do find it very funny that uh, <laughs> that this R guy says, "Yes, the bit where the diggers were assaulted by Daniel was a little joke. They decided beforehand to act out. Everyone is fine." <laughs> okay, I mean, I assumed that they, I assumed they were fine. I assumed that Daniel yeah. Mullins didn't murder two people in the middle of an ARG in the middle of an ARG, but. So yeah, so they found uh, oh, they found two floppy disks. They found a red one and a black one. Um, the red one had apparently been buried there since March. Um, Wild. And it didn't have any data on it. It was just like an Easter egg that Daniel Mullins had uh, had buried there, sure, uh, in case anyone tried to show up and and like follow the coordinates, just like so they would get something. Yeah, I've um, done it too. That rules. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they got a black one, which uh, was pretty clean. I think they just like got it directly from Daniel Mullins that supposedly contained the next step of the ARG. Uh, and to read it, they had to order a floppy disk reader. <laughs> <laughs> Much like uh, the Lucky Carter. Yep. <laughs> um... And they found that the floppy disk had a single text file on it. Okay. It was just called file. 
And it had the text, this guy moaned. The sky moaned? This guy Oh, this guy moaned. Is there someone that moans in the game? No, but... So, uh, there was a Reddit account called This Guy Moaned, and they were aware that it belonged to Daniel Mullins because... I think that was where they originally got the information for the, like, the manatee card that he had made. Okay. Uh, It is deleted now. I just looked it up. Gotcha. They believed that the floppy was supposed to be an extra hint to the solution of that clue, which they had already solved. (laughs) So they got nothing from that floppy disk. Oh, hell yeah. They got Which a floppy disk. Hysterical. Um, but then uh, people who had put their real address in on the Kaminsky site started getting floppy disks in the mail themselves. Okay. Um, and they had to order floppy disk readers as well. <laughs> it is so funny that Daniel Mullins forced a bunch of people to shill out for floppy disk readers in the year of our Lord 2021, I think, was when this happened. He revitalized some company that was on its last limbs. It's so funny. <laughs> I had, like, forgotten that Luke in-game has to buy one until I, re- until I watched uh, one of my friends playing the game recently. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's just one of them. He's just like, yep, uh, I clicked. It'll be here soon. <laughs> wow great video um and the first disc that came was uh called had a single file with the name backup2.txt okay um and the contents were a uh in the context of the text file were a half um encrypted a uh, message that said uh, pound sign, pound sign, pound sign, QZ6H, pound sign, pound sign, pound sign, playing, pound sign, pound sign, pound sign, pound sign, E, space, E, pound sign, pound sign. Uh, and from there, people were like, well, there are probably two other floppy disks, and there are probably two more text files that we have to put together to get this whole message. Um they speculated that the QZ6H was part of a YouTube video ID. Uh, they thought that playing pound sign, pound sign was going to be the middle part of a three-part clue because it had uh, vertical lines on either side of it. And they were like, okay, that's the thing that Daniel Mullins does. Um, and they thought that the EE uh, was going to be the end when it was uh, decrypted. Okay. While they only had a third of the information, people (laughs) started trying to solve the puzzle. Sure. And they did. Hell yeah. Leave it up to (laughs) ARG players. Well, okay, so they did get the YouTube video, but they realized that the last uh, cipher was going to be, thank you for playing Inscription Friend. Aw. Yeah. Um, and so the last, uh, so they were able to put that in as a fourth, uh, sequence into the log text and get the last part of the decrypted log, which was in Russian. Okay. Um, 
translating and combining all of the clues, uh, they got a conversation between several people uh, labeled as 1A, 1C, uh, 2B, and 4C, and 5C. Oh, and 2C. Uh April 30th, 1945. Top secret information. Me and my comrade Maxim took photographs of the corpse and burned it at the drop-off spot at Data Corrupted. For any quality concerns, please contact Kaminsky Data Storage MFG. (laughs) 1A. 1A. This is it. The transcribed journal page reveals the very location of Hitler's dying corpse. I already read this. Um... (laughs) My situation here in the USSR is delicate, but I believe this intelligence warrants an action that may blow my cover. 1C. 1C. Yeah, it did. Poor old Barry Wilkinson, aka Big Ear, was in prison literally hours after these words were written to the disc. He did eventually get back to the States, but I have not had any luck contacting him. There are actually a shit ton of Barry Wilkinsons, and it might not even be his real name. 1A. <laughs> I am now prepared to smuggle the disc out of Moscow, whatever. Two, and then that's labeled 2B, 2C. 2B. Fucking idiot. The fate of the world, if you consider the far-reaching effects and throw it into a chest with lots of identical discs now we have to kiss these fucking russian shoes or risk the worst fucking fate i certainly have better things to do than read and reread this top secret disc but no the fucking idiots at game fun have to finish their game it's a fucking cover people 4c fuck you too mr kaminsky they never told us that 2b nobody is playing this just give me a super weasel kid clone so i can print it out so it doesn't knock on my door at 11 o'clock in the evening by an eight foot russian 5c yes he is a- equally angry in person 2c <laughs> eureka it explains so much actually i couldn't figure out why this disc would be tossed into a crate with a bunch of blank ones barry's plan to smuggle it out this way seems contrived at best but i can't imagine the pressure he was on he was under over there 1A. We are currently awaiting further instructions in a local tavern, playing a lot of Jurak accompanied with a few glasses of vodka. 2A. How fitting. 3C. Indeed, Barry. Indeed. 1A. We are full and satisfied, yet we didn't say a word about the work we've done today. We feel like we're coming close in the end of such a long journey. 1B. I couldn't crack that encryption. I shouldn't even be, but what can I do to kill the fucking time? So... So they're going to smuggle the Hitler code on the game inscription on purpose? Yes. And Game Funa's in on it. This is a government yes. op to make a fake trading card game video game so that they can... Why couldn't they just send the floppy disk somewhere without a game on it? Well, if you played Daniel Mullins' other games, you would know. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, Game Funa appears in all of Daniel Mullins' games. Um, it is... I don't want to, like... Hello. I'm about to spoil um, something that happens in Pony Island. So if you haven't played Pony Island, turn this off and go play Pony Island. It's much shorter than Inscription. Yeah, so if you guys want to just go ahead and pause the episode and go play Pony Island, uh, we'll be here when you get back. <laughs> this is the third break you're taking listening to this podcast. We're aware. Um. So in Pony Island, it's established that Game Fune is a game company run by the biblical Satan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So there you go. (laughs) I'm so... 
I'm so glad none of this is in inscription. Yeah. Because all of... All of this would have killed inscription for me. And because they had the foresight not to put any of this into the game itself, it is my favorite game that came out last year. And in a long time, if I'm being perfectly honest. So I'm so glad that that is the case. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I think that it's fun. I like the 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 little Easter eggy crossovers that inscription does with uh, Pony Island and the hex. I think it's cool that they all exist in the same universe. I think it's perfectly fine that the ARG does not really touch the main game at all. I'm (laughs) I'll go one step further. I am actively happy that it does not touch the main game at all. Yeah. Um, Do you want to see the YouTube? I'm so glad that nowhere in inscription does the name Adolf Hitler appear. Yes, I agree. <laughs> there is um I believe in the in like the Bone Lords area in uh in part 2 um in you like it is a skeleton and it has like you can see cards like tucked into its pocket and that is like the only reference that is in there. Wait, you're telling me that in the Bone Lord's chamber in Act 2, that's Hitler? Not explicitly. (laughs) So, Marn, what do you think of the story of this ARG? (laughs) Do you want to see the YouTube video that they unlocked? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, go ahead and send it my way. Yeah, so they, they got a video to close out the ARG, and it's a little video of um, Inscription basically just, like being uploaded to Steam. Okay, cool. And then and then you see the stoat, and he winks. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. our good friend. I will say, I do like uh, someone in the YouTube comments uh, posted the stoat. He's destroyed his cage. Yes. Yes. The stoat is out. Yeah. Um but yeah, so there's there's like a couple um so the game does have like some kind of miscellaneous references to the arg. There's like the the Bone Lords uh cave, there's like a corpse at the card deck. Um if you go into like a couple rooms in uh in act 2, you uh-huh. can find like weird photos of real life people. Yes. That pop up so like you can find uh Barry Wilkinson's ID card, um, which I think is also seen when the old data like dumps itself onto the file. Okay. Um and there and there's just like random stuff like that, which is like Yeah. It's it's very spooky if you kind of stumble onto it with no context. Cause like mm-hmm. there was a couple times in Act Two where like I I walked into a room and it was just like a flashing picture of a real life person. I was like, oh, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. No, my my favorite part of Act 2, I don't know how I didn't mention this earlier, was um, in the forest, you can like walk between two trees and you just uh-huh. walk upon a character who's just like, no, I know there's old data here and it's scary. Players don't usually come this way. They don't usually seek it out, but 
it's there and I don't like it. And it's like, damn, I love a little bit of a self-aware video game character that's like, hey, there's something deeper here that's fucked up and bad and we should not look into this. And I, I love that when you get that extra layer of they know that they're in a video game because this code is like corrupting everything around them. Yeah, there's also um in Act Three, like you can go see uh I think the traitor question mark and she will like read you tarot cards. Yeah. And, like, and they're all like pretty direct references to like the old data. There's one called Big Ear, uh, that says like he did not outlive his plot. One disc among many, the old data traveled across the sea, discovered poor Barry was put to the gun. Ah, okay. And they like, and they just like all tell you about like the development process of inscription and like covering up the old data. There's one that uh, is the death card. It says, We have gleaned the purpose of the Carnaval code and it is terrible. The code is in the cards and then oblivion. Oh, but the code, the, the code is in the cards. It's not about the cards in inscription. It's about the cards in the Carnaval code. That's okay. Yeah. I, that's that's one of the things that really draws me to inscription that I love about it. I love that like in the midst of I lo- so like not to be one of those people that compares everything to House of Leaves, but like inscription feels like House of Leaves is a video game where it's like at one point in the game you are playing as you the player have are playing a game called Inscription, which is a video game about um about Luke Carter, who has found a video game called Inscription that he is playing. Uh, and at this point in time, um, he is playing as a character who is talking to another character who's a layer under what Inscription, the video game inside the video game should be. This is Leshy's Inscription or this is Poe's Inscription. But one layer up, they're playing the actual video game Inscription that's inside of it. I love how deep it can go. And that when it gets in that deep, you have characters around that are like, we shouldn't be in this deep. The deeper we go into this game, the closer we get to this weird fucked up code that seems like it's seeping into everything. And I love how dark and mysterious that is. And it's kind of a shame. I kind of wish I still didn't know what that code was. Because I love it when it's unknown and mysterious. And I think something about saying it's actually Hitler makes it like <laughs> kind of goofy in a way that I, I don't really like too. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I, I agree. There's also um Luke's uh Luke sections have some binary in them. Um that was like not a part of the arg. Okay. Um, there's just like some weird shit in like the live action segments. There's like, uh, there's one video that has like binary over his face that translates to Carnaval code. Um, there's one where like a game Funa agent, um, visits him and there's binary that translates to Amanda, which people thought is, uh, was her name. Um, in the, video where the game Fune agent like shows up and kills him he there's like a weird redacted area of the video where he's wearing a different shirt after the redaction and it seems like very 
obvious and intended. Huh. Like he starts out wearing a short sleeved like collared shirt and he ends wearing like a long sleeve sweater. Interesting. Um, there's also two frames. One is like in one of the like weird couple second like corrupted videos of Luke, and then one is in uh the ending where uh he gets shot uh where a character from the hex shows up uh who is like the character that like the secret ending of the hex is about uh who is a virus character named sado uh and if you haven't seen this frame it's kind of spooky like it like sado's face shows up over the game fune agent's face for like a second and people caught it huh um and so people kind of speculated that well they knew that that uh game funa like exists in both universes and i'm about to spoil the hex i'm so sorry All right, everyone, if you want to go ahead and pause this episode and go play the hex, uh, we'll be back when you get back from that one. For real, though, you should play the hex. Like, that might be my recommendation this week. It's a good game. Um, Part of one of the antagonists in the hex is Sato, who is a character that um, kind of this. uh, So, the plot of the hex is that you're going through the entire like catalog of this one developer's games playing as the protagonists of those games who are self-aware, like real people who are also trying to solve a murder mystery, like in a different setting and like having flashbacks to like being part of these games that they were originally in. Okay. Um, a basic, like a, a fact of life of this universe is that video game characters are alive and like they treat, being in video games is like a nine to five job it's great um it does a lot of the same stuff as inscription where the characters are like (laughs) i know what is supposed to be happening in my game and like it's all fucked up and and weird and i feel wrong about it (laughs) um so if you liked that content you should play the hex um sato specifically is a virus that was like coded in by a different by like an assistant to this game developer who had a a grudge against him um and like corrupts a bunch of these games and in one of the endings of the hex she like escapes into the real world um and so people are like oh it's fucked up that like now she's also an inscription in like the easter eggs and she's like also corrupted inscription and i just think that's cool that is cool yeah neat that's a that's a neat little shout out or callback i guess yeah the hex is really good i won't spoil the ending but it does a lot of things similarly to inscription and i i like how it kind of exists in dialogue with inscription and like how daniel mullins kind of iterates on the same or like similar themes between those two games huh cool yeah well hell yeah um is is this it for the inscription ARG? uh yeah 
All right. Well, then what do you say we get into into rating? Yeah, let's do it. What do you what do you think ultimately about the plot of the inscription arg? Um it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit wacky. <laughs> yeah, it it builds out the background to inscription in a way that I really didn't expect it to. Um and in a way that I'm not I think it's pretty obvious that I'm not super into where it went. Um but I think it's neat that they did it and I think that they incorporated it well, even if it is stuff that I didn't really like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anytime that you, in- I, there's something about invoking Hitler. That's just like, yeah, you really you gotta better- land it, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have the Nazis in your ARG, you gotta like, <laughs> like you have to commit to yeah, that <laughs> yeah and it's just like oh no like but it's I, I don't know but it's also just like this anytime that you just use it as a shorthand for like it, this like the, the old data so bad it's related to hitler and i'm just like i buddy i don't care like i come on you can do better than that you can be way more interesting than that I don't yeah. know. This is this is one of those things. This one feels kind of like uh it feels kind of like how I felt after uh 10 Cloverfield Lane where I was just like, man, the ins- the 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 existence of the stuff in the ARG kind of puts me off to the movie as a whole cuz it like retroactively makes me less interested. Um so I'm just gonna pretend. You know what? None of none of the stuff in the ARG is text in the game. So I'm just gonna go on and say that's not what the old data is. The old data is something else. Doesn't even matter what it is. It's just dark, and it corrupts. Yeah, I I think like if you approach it as like something out completely unrelated to the game, like there's some fun little puzzles and solutions there. Um. Yeah. No, and I'm, that's I'm, I'm all with I you. have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It, yeah, yep. Uh, yep. What do you think? Speaking of them, uh, what do you think about the puzzles here? I like them. Ten out of ten, baby. Yeah, puzzles here all rule. Uh, just having everything relate back into the game and having to dig through files and dig through uh, logs and having to like boot up a command prompt within the game to kick this off. That's all super cool, and I think that it even like fits in and plays in well with what inscription is doing as a whole you're finding an extra layer of inscription to play on and i think that's super cool yeah i i like uh i like the way daniel mullins kind of incorporates deeper layers of of stuff into his games yeah yeah i think that all worked out really well yeah and uh we had one more question that came in as we get into talking about replayability um, uh-huh. which you said earlier that like, you can still play this game and someone made a YouTube video of them going through and doing it themselves, which like that all rules sounds like a 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, but I did want to bring up, um, Grizzly Tron wrote in with a question and said, inscription, the game does a lot to point players toward inscription, the ARG and vice versa. Given this, how much more or less important do you think it is for the ARG components to be replayable after the fact? And do you think inscription hits that mark? 
I mean, I think it definitely hits the mark of replayability. Like, that has been proven. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, and I think that as there are some things, kind of like with what I was saying, kind of at the start of this episode, there are things in the game that kind of point to the ARG. And there are some, like, uh, loose tonal things and, like, things that just point outside of the game or even deeper into the game that I think kind of gestures toward what the ARG is doing. But personally, I think that Inscription does a good job of making those land in the game itself and for the story the game is telling. I think that, like, I feel like Inscription, the video game, exists without inscription the arg even if inscription the arg doesn't exist without inscription the video game and that's the kind of sweet spot that i like things to be in yeah i agree <laughs> I, I i i think it's good i think i like like i said i like how daniel mullins kind of layers his stuff so that like uh-huh. like you said it's a little bit like house of leaves like you always know there's like a deeper layer and like sometimes it's your choice if you if you want to go down and like figure out what's there Hmm. yeah i i think yeah i think that this hits the mark and the fact that it's all replayable now is really good and if in 10 years a reddit account gets wiped or some parts of the arg no longer function in the same way i don't think inscription the video game suffers for that and I think that that's why that hits that sweet spot on the replayability scale in this kind of inner intertwined nature. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Uh, I think that's it for us talking about inscription. So do you have a recommendation for us? Uh, yes, I have a couple. Okay. Well, um... hit, hit us. Uh, my recommendation is go go play the hex. Um, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my recommendation is go play Inscription. Uh, yeah. <laughs> read the letter that I wrote about Inscription over on uppercut.com or uppercutcrit.com. Um, I also have a recommendation that I I thought about while we were talking about uh, questions at the top of this uh episode which is um it is a john boyce video called why do i choose this for a living um (laughs) and it's one of it's a video from his pretty good series um i think he took it down off his youtube or something or it got like copyright claimed or or something but yeah it got copyright claimed but uh some some other guy re-uploaded it uh, and you can watch it, uh, and it is a video about competitive poker playing. It's very good. I enjoy it. Um, oh, I also had another YouTube video I wanted to recommend. Okay. Lauren's <laughs> uh, coming in YouTube hot video. tonight. I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube today, apparently. <laughs> uh, the other YouTube video I wanted to recommend was uh, Giant Bomb's Holiday Spectacular 2016 Hits Miss. Because I just rewatched it today and it is a joy. Martin, I'm going to send you a screenshot of my computer right now. <laughs> I saw you tweeting about the video today and I was like, damn, I'm going to watch this while I do work. 
Had you seen it before? No, I've seen this before. It's okay, it's some okay. of the, it's an incredible piece of comedy. It's so good. Like, have you ever seen someone play a game so recklessly that they just start like dismantling it at the seams? <laughs> Speaking of breaking a game down and dismantling it, yeah. uh, Hitsmith. <laughs> Hitsmith. What is like- what is Hitsmith for our audience? So Hitsmas is a giant bomb segment where uh, during like some of their holiday shows, they would like draw uh, specifications for like hitman hits out of a hat. So like what outfit you had to be wearing like while doing the first hit and what weapon you had to use. Um, and specifically the 2016 one has a run in it that is like an, I think like an hour long. It's like a solid hour of just like the most nonsense gameplay you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and like it just it immediately goes off the rails. It continues going off the rails. It's one of like the funniest, like unplanned like video game show segments I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> one of my favorite moments in it I is when he uh he steps out of he he look he uses his like hitman vision so he can see through the walls and he goes great there's no other people in this room except for this one guard i'll pop out of this room take an axe take out this guy and then be able to go on my way without a guard following me and being seen and then he pops out the door and it turns out that this room is full of people just none of them had the like security tag so he couldn't see them with his hitman vision so he just steps out of a doorway and buries a fire axe in the dude while everyone around goes, oh my god. And the room loses it. Like, they're sitting and playing and watching. It is immaculate. It's it's Hitman being the best kind of comedy game there is. My favorite part is when he he's like on a balcony and he tries to throw a knife at someone and it can- <laughs> completely goes over her head and just off the edge of the balcony. <laughs> and then he has to go down and get it. Oh my god. I so I've I have done uh some hitsmiths as a charity stream thing. I've I've done a hitman where you draw stuff out of a hat. It's so fun to play the game this way. We were just like, shit. Uh, I played a level. It was Hitman 2. And I was like, shit, I got to dress up like a NASCAR driver and beat this guy to death with a robot arm. Uh, How the fuck do I pull this one off? It's such an interesting way of, like, turning a very tense game into, like, slapstick comedy. It's great. It's really good. Hell Go yeah. watch Hitsmas. We're going to have a documentary about uh, professional poker players and then an episode and then a thing of uh, playing Hitman wrong. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I'm trying to think. <sighs> what recommendations do I have today? Okay. You know what? My recommendation today. I always hate turning my recommendation in, into like, hey, you know that thing that everyone on your Twitter is talking about? I'm going to talk about it too, and it's good. Uh, but I'm really liking Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, it's a fun game where you get to sneak up on... Speaking of sneaking up on people and taking them out from behind, um, it is a open world stealth game where you catch Pokemon. Uh, it rules. Uh, 
You've heard about enough about it on Twitter. I won't belabor the point too long, but I will say that one of the most satisfying things in the world is uh, throwing a little bit of Pokemon food, having a Pokemon go up and start eating it and getting distracted, and then you sneak up behind them and you bludgeon them in the back of a head with a lead ball. Uh, it's the best feeling in Pokemon I've ever had. Yeah, I just started playing it like literally today, and the, the <laughs> I did literally like message one of my friends. I was like, I feel like I'm playing Hitman. I love being able to sneak up on Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, what if you played Hitman and then you threw a Pokeball and you just captured the Sheik? It rules. That's that's it's what this great. game feels like. Um, but yeah, I won't belabor the point because y'all know about it if you know about it. So. Uh, that is what my time has been entirely taken up with this past weekend. I'm putting together a living Pokedex, and uh, I can't find a fucking Cherubi to save my life. <laughs> uh, but I think that that's going to do it for us. So until next time, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so on Twitter. Uh, we are together at Argonauts Pod. Otherwise, you can find us individually. I am at co-host Sherms. I am at Corpse Survivors. And if you want to get a hold of us elsewhere, you can do so in a bit longer form through email. We are ArgonautsPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to shoot us an email there. We listen to everything, or we read everything that comes in, even if we don't always respond to it. Um, yeah, otherwise, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com. That's P-U-H-T-R-A-Y-I-N.com. Uh, if you want to make our mistakes, otherwise, you can just go to Patreon and search for The Argonauts Podcast. And even if you can't do that or don't want to do that, you don't have to donate to Patreon. Who gives a shit? Uh, but if you don't <laughs> want to do that, best way to support the show, tell someone about it. Uh, write a tweet. Tell a friend. If you liked this episode and you know someone that likes Inscription, shoot this their way. Um, maybe they'll find us talking about the game to be enlightening. Um, spread the word because it really helps us and uh, it really helps us find a new audience, which is great. Until next time. That's Args, baby. Hey, Jory, have you ever watched the anime called One Piece? Yeah, Joe, I watched for a podcast that we do. What? You know, we are watching One Piece. I started watching it so you could rewatch it, and then we talk about it sometimes. I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we don't do it super frequently. Once a month at best. Did, did you forget? We analyze the story and discuss the show's themes, characters, compare it to other media, and how it provides an allegory for real-life politics and events. I, I must have forgotten. What, where can I listen to remind myself? You can listen at the Orange Groves Podcast Network or search for We Are Watching One Piece in your favorite podcast app. What's a podcast? Okay.